Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the show tonight, our Thursday night Survivor show. If you guys have a question on Survivor, you guys can call in um, 347-237-5506. Let's, let's have a great show, guys. Welcome, Survivor fans. It's September 29th, 2016. This is the Rad Reality Show Network, and it's time for Mike on the Mic, where we talk about all things Survivor. Tonight, Mike will be recapping Survivor Millennials versus Gen X, episode Blinded by Love, and what a great episode it was. Feel free to call in if you'd like to uh, share your opinions. If not, sit back and enjoy. Let's get tonight's show started by bringing up our host, the number one Survivor fan in all the world, Mr. Mike Albright. But first... Let's play a little intro music for him because he is the number one ultimate top fan of Survivor on the planet. Nobody's met more Survivors than Mr. Mike Albright. So let's play just a little intro for him and started um, if I can find his intro here we go Super fan. Big Mike. Big Mike, you're up. Mike, how many survivors have you met now? 
Uh, my count's currently at 447. I met Zoe uh, Zanadakis from Survivor Marquesas, making her the last cast member from that season at uh, the Durham Warrior Survival Challenge this past June. So she was there, I think, on Saturday. So I got to meet her and had her had her sign some Marquesas buffs and uh, bandanas and an old newspaper article. So that was... Uh, that was pretty cool to uh, to finally meet her and to knock out. It's my fir- first complete season, and I've met everyone um, before All-Stars. So I thought that was pretty cool for it to be more cases, but I've met everyone from the cast. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. 447. Um, <laughs> that's just mind-blowing to me. It's uh, it's pretty insane, and I actually uh, I almost met 448. Uh, was at a wedding in late July in Northern Ohio, and had planned to meet with uh, Karen Goodell from Survivor Plow, but our wires got a little crossed. We didn't. Um, there was some confusion with which number she was calling from, and I met her. Went to her law firm, and she had left for the day, and I thought I was calling her cell, and I wasn't. I was calling another extension in the office. Didn't really persist, and she got back with me after that week, and it was like, hey, you should just call me. I would let you come to your house, and I think that's the, you know, I'm a huge fan, not just because I've met these folks that I've, you know, interacted, even somebody that I haven't met just knew my reputation and my buddy John's reputation, that we were a bunch of maniacs, and she's like, yeah, you can just come to my house. We just didn't get to see so I'll get to see her, and uh, the cool thing is uh, well, several cool things. Rodney Bowles coming up, which is the next weekend. And uh, from this season, Brett is going to be there. So he will become number 448 and possibly 449 because I've been emailing uh, Linda Spencer from Survivor Africa who works at Harvard University in the uh, career services area. So I'm going to try to touch base with her and just say hi, at least go see campus anyway. And if she throws me out of the office. At least I could say I would have met her. Wow. So I wonder who your your big number 450 is going to be. Uh, it could be someone extra who maybe shows up at this event. If I do happen to meet Linda, then Brett's 449. So there could be another person that maybe just shows up because the season, the new season, they may not be putting it on the radar. Um, it, it could be almost anyone. Uh, back to when I hit 350, it was actually, I think, technically Artis, who was number 350, but Malcolm was so excited when I met him that he made me switch the official order on the count. He's like, no, man, <laughs> let me be 350. And I'm like, uh, okay, Malcolm, you can be 350. And then Artis, I think, became 351 or 349. So it's just that kind of <laughs> silly rapport I have. And then another just not only do I know this so many and met so many, the first survivor I met, Roger, we were ushers at our friend's wedding this past weekend. So that was a surreal experience just because I, I see him all the time and I consider him a real friend. We, you know, we hang out besides just the charity event. So to be an usher with him at a wedding and wear the same fancy outfits, it was it was a lot of fun to, to do that with Roger. Oh, I can imagine. He seems like such a wonderful person, you know, You've had him on the show, and just in hearing him talk, he seems like such a down-to-earth, really cool guy. I can imagine how yeah. cool it would be to hang out with him. 
he's real friendly and he's, he's always open to do anything. And I was just at the bank randomly one time last summer. He's just like, hey, Mike, just wanted to give you a call. He's the first survivor to <clears throat> actually visit my home, which is kind of just kind of interesting. And you know, he's the first one I met, so I'll never be, I'll never forget that. And he was, like I said on the call last week, he was the third survivor my girlfriend got to meet. So that's pretty cool for her to meet some survivors and, you know, appreciate this crazy thing I'm a part of and meet a few. And she seems to be pretty into the show. She's rewatching season two, which is, you know, one of my favorite seasons of the show. And it was the one that won the Nielsen ratings just because it was so, so popular. And uh, it beat Friends. It was the best the show ever did. Right after that, the show kind of took a ratings dive after 9-11 when people didn't want to see reality TV. But, you know, I'm glad she's rewatching Australia because it's a, it's a pretty – Amazing season and one of the huge things happened in it. You have to have her watch season one. I think she's seen it, but I'll definitely ask her to, you know, watch it next. And I've got all the DVDs, so we're watching Stranger Things right now. But we're gonna try to when we have time and we we have epically long dates, so I don't know if we can watch an entire Survivor season at one, but we can definitely do it over, you know two or three, but it's a great show and it's, there's a lot to catch up on, but I, I believe she can do it. She's an awesome person. So. <laughs> she sounds really sweet. I'm so happy for you guys. I really am. I know that you've gone through such transformation in the last year and you deserve every bit of happiness in the world and I believe it's all going to come to you. I told you that. Before. You sure did. Coming around, it's great to be a. It's just some whole new experience for me. So I'm, I'm just trying to take it all in day by day. So she's, she's amazing. We watched the show last. Cool just to watch the show, and I just watch it by myself. I was a. I told you this was going to happen. You're a good prognosticator and predictor of the future, so we're um, <laughs> predicting some of the stuff that we saw tonight uh, going into episode two. I, I can't believe the uh, – <clears throat> and I'm sick tonight, so I'm going to talk as much as humanly possible. I'm going to probably go to bed right after we're, we're done recording this. But I was so surprised how, you know, blatant, especially on the Millennial Tribe, the, the alliance we've already seen, these this double showman's, how much it was right in everyone's face again. I just couldn't believe I that. Know. I know. They, I they didn't even... hide anything. I mean, to see um, Figgy and Taylor snuggling up and kissing, you know, they got caught pretty easily. Mm-hmm. And I loved what was said. Um, I'm trying to find the notes on it. Uh, yeah, let me go to mine. I probably have it too. When Michaela came up on him, you mean? Or? Yeah, um, where she talked about you smell... Your breath is bad. You've got sand in your drawers. <laughs> all all the stuff going on and all they're thinking about is 
<coughs> smooching, and I have. There's only been a few times. There's been some romances on the show that have blossomed, but this early, anything like this, the only thing I can really think of is uh, back in Micronesia with Parvati and uh, Parvati, Ozzy, James, and Amanda. They just seem pretty, pretty quick to be all smoochy too. But that's pretty quick, and I want Michaela made it good there. They're straight up nasty. She said, I can only imagine five days just camping, let alone five days. She in said, the you stink, your mouth is nasty, you got sand in your drawers, and you're kissing somebody. <laughs> That's disgusting. And there were people talking <laughs> about that past survivors were going crazy on that. Mike Holloway was definitely talking about how that's pretty intense. Yeah, I can't imagine, you know, there's showmances on Big Brother. But, you know, they brush their teeth and take showers every day. Yeah, there's nobody brushing their teeth or taking a survivor, shower on Survivor, at least if unless it's a reward. It's usually a bath. That's not going to get you very clean. So that was gross. But I, and it was funny how... how it's Figgy was just kind of like, I can't believe Michaela's getting in my business. And Taylor's like, well, that's the way I'm going to play it. I'm like, why are you going to, why are you going to play like that and not even try to alter what you're doing? I just found it very, very strange the way he, uh, he reacted to that. And it's just interesting that the people in power, how, you know, cocky and arrogant they are. And then the same way on, um, uh, both tribes. There's definitely a, a numbers majority on uh, the Gen X tribe too, and I With I couldn't Paul believe all things, much, right. Yeah, Paul Paul running that show. It was uh, he's like I have to be in control. You know, this is just the way he the way he does stuff. Uh, but it was uh, well, you know, the commercials they had been showing all week led us to believe that he may have had a heart attack, and I was very happy to learn that that was not the case. I never want to see anybody, you know, be taken out of the game like that. Um, That was a real scare. And I hope that he is physically fit enough to make it through this season. He has me concerned now. I, I too, he's the the oldest player in... um... He definitely got knocked down. It was uh, interesting how the alliance was <clears throat> so worried about his his medical medical situation. We'll get to later, but I was it was really impressive for somebody that did so poorly last episode. How strong David was in putting that fire together. I was amazed out of uh, five days on the uh, in the island that no one else had been able to do that. And then little David, who can barely cut wood covered his ears and they were cutting bamboo. Uh just really tore tore it up and got that fire going. But uh right after he gets the fire going <laughs> he's out idle hunting again, but he's he, he masked it in getting rocks to sit on. And I thought that was a pretty uh pretty clever way to to balance to balance that out so he wouldn't be caught like and then, yeah, I liked his angle of if I'm looking for idols and looking for rocks to sit on, I can come back looking dirty, and it kind of covers up, you know, what I'm trying to do. Um, but I, and even in the midst of finding these big rocks for people to sit on, he's like, ooh, ants, 
spider's gross. I'm like, really? <laughs> it's just David, a very compelling character. And then yeah, I'm watching the episode for the third time, and he's just walking in the woods, and there's a coconut sitting right in the open with writing on it by a tree. And I'm just like, did no one see this? You know, I know David's in trouble, but is this a little divine intervention here? Um, I found that very interesting, especially when people were Chris was right on his heels. David had to run up the hill, and the idol being hidden in a coconut never, never been done before. I thought that was pretty. Uh, that was definitely a cool creative twist. What do you think of uh, David finding the idol? Um. <laughs> It was pretty interesting. I think that's that was his only hope. Uh, he was definitely on his way out, and he knew it. He he certainly knew that he had one foot off the off the island, so to speak. Um, and he used the premise that he was going to look for stones to sit on to go out into the woods to partially look for the stones to sit on and partially look for the idol. And sure enough, you know, he kept looking in tree trunks and, you know, each one kept coming up empty. And then all of a sudden he looked at the base of a tree and there was this coconut with painting on it and he yeah, was like oh my god and he knew he had found it and there was somebody kind of walking up in the distance and grabbed it and ran that's as Chris, yeah, as Chris was on his heels hide. Chris was on the on him a lot for stuff like that so yeah Chris was on his heels <laughs> He was so excited to get that. And I think that was his his saving grace, will be his saving grace for a while. Um, and when him and Ken sort of had their bonding moment, that was the perfect way for him to show Ken, this is how much I trust you. I almost... Yep hate that he showed it to him in a way, but I do think that Ken will, I hope that Ken will keep it just between them. I I hope so. Because I hope they don't breach that, but it was, um, that was a good bonding, and it's somebody you know, as good looking as Ken, and somebody that looks like they got everything in the world right right there. It was it was it was nice for him to open up about his own past and how you know, he's uh what did he say specifically? I'm trying to find the quotes that he's well they're both nervous twitchers and he had a speech impediment as a kid, so he, he kinda connected to David and felt that a bond for David but also though not like in Paul's whole posse, that whole everyone's Gonna do what Paul said, but I liked Ken. I liked Ken the first episode, and I liked him even more. And I liked David more too, just because you know he's scrappy and he found the idol and he put the fire together. So 
he's somebody that his stock is definitely definitely rising. Right. I felt the same way. I you know, I was kind of on the fence about him the first episode, but the second episode I liked him a lot more and I really liked the two of them together. Um I think they make a great team and I kind of like rooting for the underdog anyway. Yep. And I really like to see how far those two can go together. So it's going to be interesting to see how those two do together. Yeah, I agree with you that uh, I'm glad David wanted to build their trust with him. And I think Ken's pretty trustworthy now. I so that doesn't, invite David later for opening up and showing him, but with knowing Ken, I don't think the other group would think that they're connected, so he might be able to feed him information when they're going to maybe vote out David. That way they can play the idol effectively, and then he and, well, they also got in a bond with CeCe, so I thought that was pretty pretty cool that they all kind of linked together if things are going to happen, and, you know, coupled with that, you know, David finds the idol, and he and Ken get together, and they bring in Cece. Then Paul, uh, we're, we'll get specifically to uh, all this stuff over the millennials of Spiggy and Taylor and Michelle and Jay, just that whole insanity. But the medical situation with, with Paul, yeah, it was definitely hyped up to be, you know, we weren't exactly sure what was going to happen. And I'm, I'm really glad, you know, Dr. Joe came out. We got to see him again. And, you know, one of my favorite pictures from the finale was the last one was I got a picture with Dr. Joe. I don't know if it came out on my phone. We had to take a couple of my flash delayed. So I hope the picture came out. But the next finale, if it didn't, I'm going to try to snag another picture with Dr. Joe. But that's another season we've had to see him come out. I hope we don't see him a lot. And a rare appearance of Jeff, too. But Paul, you know, didn't end up having a heart attack. They checked his heart. And he was just, uh, what they say, it was at the beginning of heat exhaustion. Dehydrated, and, um, yeah. Dehydration. So right. for those of you that are working out and maybe not in Fiji on the Mamanuka Islands, just make sure if you're working out in the gym or walking around like I do, you know, make sure you stay hydrated, you know, take care of your body. You're not going to be in this intense situation as Paul, but, um, you know, everyone just be safe. Don't have to stay hydrated. Yeah, because I know myself when I'm trying to maximize a workout, I, I get pretty pretty low. And now, you know, right now I'm sick, so I'm trying to drink the orange juice and and water and vitamin C, and you know, stay uh, stay ahead of everything. So you gotta you gotta take care of yourself. But out there, it's a lot trickier. It's very hot, and some people like uh, Taylor and Siggy, they're working out and burning extra calories they don't need to by doing all their you know, late night cuddling that they got caught in. <laughs> I can't, and not only is it gross, but it just is, I don't, I don't, there's a gross factor for me. And I guess if you're really into somebody, you don't really care. But then there's the whole non-strategic part coupled with how gross it is. Like, you don't want to show your pair like that. There's only, there's only like two or three pairs that have lasted beyond game. And most of it blows up on the island or right after the finale. I just don't get. I don't get why they would why they would do that. And I think the your quotes on Michaela were were, you know, spot on. And even Jay, who's the, the title alliance 
with Taylor's like, you know, I heard him kissing and my dude kissed her. And he had uh he was he had another where was this quote? He was worried that um if people get in relationships, you know, no no couple lasts forever, especially on Survivor and he's like you're acting like a dork and bailing on his boys and uh instead hanging out with his stupid girlfriend. So I thought that was I think Jay was talking about a little too much maybe from home and on the island, losing his bro. He's like, How are we gonna snowboard and chill, man? And I'm like you're not going to snowboard anytime. You're <laughs> not going to be doing any snowboarding out there, dude. But There's he did try to have a heart-to-heart with, with Taylor, and, you know, I don't think Taylor really took it in very well. Yeah, he was you trying know, to look out for him. Oh, go ahead. I cut you off. He just, he just didn't... Uh, I think he's too infatuated with Figgy to to be concerned with with Jay and and the alliance at this point, you know. Yeah. Um, and then I love Taylor. Like, yeah, we're getting called out. And then Hannah's like, "You guys are so pretty." <laughs> Poor <laughs> Hannah. <laughs> You know, Sophie Jr., she just seems so on the uh, <laughs> on the edge of that. I don't see her I don't see her and Will getting in with anything, her and Adam. Definitely not her and Zeke, because Zeke's playing for the other team, but uh, you know, I just feel bad for her that she doesn't have anyone to really align with. Um, but then Zeke made an interesting quote that I wanted to discussed about because I think we're from the same generation or close and he said for millennials their generation hookups are a lot less serious and it's a lot different than being someone that's generation X and I would agree that it seems not in a you know moral or ethical way necessarily but I think younger folks are always more open to um, you know just a random hookup with somebody and it's not meaning a whole lot or as much as it might mean to somebody else so, did you think there was much validity in what Zeke was saying, or did you agree with him? Or Zeke is—he's—he's he's different. He, to me, he seems like he should be on the Gen X tribe. Yeah, I think he's the oldest, isn't he? He or Ken? One of them is the oldest, I think, on that group. He might be. But he just doesn't seem like a typical quote-unquote millennial to me. He just seems he can understand that perspective. So I thought it was interesting, though, for him to call out his own his own group and say that's common, you know, more common. I, I see it with our students that they kind of, you know, one guy and girl are together, then one of them goes off, and the other one goes off, and they're with the same people and different people, and it's just so much, you know, random randomness and random hookups and different approach to everything because I, I know but I know in my generation the same thing kind of happened and it seems a little more more prevalent now so I think the, I think the, was on the on the right you know right page there I, I agree I, I definitely agree and uh, and Taylor Jay, Jay went right to Taylor and was talking to him too 
And then Taylor doesn't even see the writing on the wall, and he's like, oh, that's the way I'm going to play the game, though. I've thought it all through. And I'm like, do you have you? Like, why would you get this bond? Like, unless he thinks that he's going to work with Figgy as long as they can, and if they – if they go to a vote pre-merge, so they'd get rid of Figgy instead of him because he's stronger. Maybe he's just that arrogant. I I don't I don't know what to make of that. But I don't either. Yeah, Jay's use of words is great. He's like he's just infatuated with her, and he's oblivious. So this thing's gonna blow up his game. And I'm like Jay uh, between Jay and Taylor. He's definitely Jay's. I definitely prefer Jay to Taylor, but I prefer Michelle to Figgy too. I can see that. Yeah, because I think Michelle's the one that turned this whole thing for Figgy. She was able. She was the one that later on when they lost the challenge. <laughs> that was, you know, mostly Michelle that's orchestrating that to keep her friend there to keep this alliance together. I couldn't believe how they were able to get. You know, and I think there's a secret scene that I heard about on Twitter, but I didn't watch it yet, where I guess maybe they were running numbers with Will and uh, Hannah to make them understand why they wanted to do what they ended up doing. Because it was, uh, you know, everybody, you know, everybody got on board except for three people. So it's just fascinating who they were able to twist everyone over. I just don't know. I really don't know how they were able to do it. I don't know what kind of selling point they do, unless they can still argue they still have numbers. But if you were in that situation and there were two power couples and just some other person that was deemed threatening, what would you have done in that situation, Sherry? Do you think you would have an opinion on that? or? I certainly would have gotten rid of one of the people out of the power couples. I mean, I don't understand how they got how they talked him into that. I don't either. Yeah, you know, that's I'm, concerning. I'm, Somebody's talking yeah. a really good game. Yeah, I want to find this secret scene and see what uh <laughs> what they what they you know, I know Michaela has got roped in because she was worried when it was brought back to her that Zeke said after her figgy goes then Michaela's gonna go. Um so I just I just found that all uh, really interesting on the millennials. A lot of interesting dynamics. So we don't we see Figgy and Figgy and Taylor together with uh, Jay and Michelle, and then Hannah was with Mari, and then kind of in the in Michaela, Zeke, um, Adam, and Will. Just kind of we don't really know, you know, a whole lot about what they what they're doing specifically. So that tribe's kind of it's interesting, even when they, you know, they had to vote, but I'm curious if they went back. I'd really like to see some millennials back at Tribal like right now and see, you know, what's their next move going to be? Like, why did they keep her? I need to, I guess I should have seen the secret scene or I could speak more highly on it just for why they kind of bailed her. I mean, I see Mario was very articulate and clever and is a professional video gamer and a gamer. And maybe the game was just too tough for her. She mentioned specifically how it's so different watching something on TV or your video screen versus actually being in, in the real thing. And I thought that was a real mature thing to say from someone from her generation. Because it makes sense. I know that there's a lot of people that play a lot of online survivor games or 
you know, other types of games. But when you're actually there with real people, it kind of takes everything on a, you know, whole other, it takes it to a whole other place. And uh, before, yeah. I just don't quite get how they were able to to get that that vote to to switch. Although Jay apparently came up with a little lie in Zeke's words and telling Michaela that um, Zeke was throwing her name out as the next easy vote off after Figgy. Yeah. Yep, I guess that might be what. I mean, that's what got Michaela. But then what? I'm still just curious why Hannah and Will are gone. You know, Will seems like a free agent to me and pretty smart. He's like, what's the what's the best move? And he's like, is uh, even as the youngest person out there for him to be like, yeah, I'm kind of worried about this because she she could do what uh, you know, Poverty and Cochran did. So I liked it's it's neat. Like in the old season of the show, they wouldn't have really talked a whole lot about oh, yeah, we can't do this because that's what Richard Hatch did. They just didn't really do that even in season two, you know, three, the early early seasons. And now it's all relating back to, you know, what these quote-unquote kids have been watching their entire life when they've been watching the show. So, you know, why why did they do what they did? That's going to be the big question is, you know, I, it makes sense for the four people to vote for, for Mari. They're the couples. Uh, it makes a little more sense for why Michaela went with them because she was worried about the numbers. What I, I'm curious, and I guess we'll find out over the next few episodes and during the course of the season, is you know why did Will and Hannah join in too? Because I thought it was going to be a tie, and then you know, you know, with the time and there was enough time at first for it to be a, you know, a deadlock, but they ended up having enough of us to make it seven to three. I just. Uh, just fascinating tribe dynamics, as well as uh, over on Gen X. I don't know if we mentioned it specifically. The whole reason they got Ken and David starting to talk to each other, you know, after Ken opened up about um, who he was, was he one of the only few people to catch a big animal? And they caught an octopus. He caught an octopus and shared that with the group. And that was I, that could be kind of dangerous. I know it wasn't a huge octopus, but. That was a really, really cool scene with him being able to pull that through. Yeah, I mean, and if he can pull in food like that on a daily basis for the tribe, that's big in the game of Survivor. To be able to feed, you know, your your castmates like that, that's, that's huge. Those people don't realize what it's like to sit out there for days and days without food. And if he can go out there and and use that, what's that called? The the oh the Hawaiian sling, I think. No, the thing that he used. Yeah, the spear thing that he used to get the (laughs) special. Um, If he can fish with that spear thing and get food on a daily basis, they will be fed quite well. Yep. And they won't ever have to, you know, know what it's like to sit there and starve. And 
in the game of Survivor, that's huge. So they may keep him around as a provider just so and they can be then, fed. <laughs> then while they're and while they're being fed, they're gonna possibly he's feeding them octopus and fish or whatever, but they're probably gonna feed him information because it's Paul Paul has his situation or maybe Brett maybe has one down the road. They may realign and then he could feed that information back to David and Cece. So he could be a huge <laughs> huge power player. Um especially if they could somehow connect with um oh shoot. Rebecca? Is it Rebecca that has the advantage? No, sorry. Hold on. Jessica, be able to... Yeah, the other Jessica, the older Jessica. Right. He may be able to pull some of those people away from Paul's posse, as he calls it, um, to you know, to build an even bigger alliance for his side. You know, if he's feeding everyone on a daily basis, you know, there might be some people that feel lower on the totem pole in Paul's posse that might filter over to his side as he grows stronger, you know, and becomes more of a leader as he's feeding everyone too. Yeah. Um, So you never know what could happen once he starts becoming more of a leader as he's feeding everybody and people see that he has, you know, a lot of worth in the game. He might he might get and some people to fall over to his side. Maybe uh Ken's crew versus Paul's posse. That could be what it's coming down to on uh Gen X. For sure. I like that. Ken's crew versus Paul's posse. <laughs> I just I just thought of it. Um and I don't know, the couples having a, a cute name for themselves. They call themselves the um the Triforce, but there's four people, so I can't remember if they gave themselves a cuter or more catchy name. I don't think they I don't think they have yet. And that's a pretty stupid a, name for a foursome. The Triforce. I like the name yeah. because in The Legend of Zelda, and it's one of my favorite video games, it just sucks that they had a Triforce Alliance and didn't let Mari be in it because she's the big video gamer. And it also sucks that it's not there's more people than three. So I don't know I don't know what they're thinking. I, I don't recall if they mentioned another cute name for their alliance. So if they haven't, they, they definitely need to. Um, but switching back, you know, Paul's posse, but Paul being the leader, you know, he's talking about cutting the drift with him. He's like, he physically can bring it. He always wants to be 100% in control. And then that's where Ken kind of ropes in. He goes, it's like Paul, it's Paul's show. And me, you, and Dave, and he was talking to Cece, we need to, you know, get together. And Cece's like, yep, we need to take out the head, cut it off. And he's like, we got to massage Paul's ego. And it was good seeing that correlated to Paul because he's, like, pretending to punch. On one of the commercial breaks, he's uh, pretending to punch, punch a tree or punch the air, and then he ended up getting, you know, knocked down on his belt for a while. Um, so 
we get one of the few rare appearances of uh, uh, production people and probes and everyone. You know, the producer's like, you know, back up, give him room. We're going to check his pulse. We're going to check his heart rate. You know, we get Dr. Joe out there. And it took Jeff a while. I don't know if he was in makeup or getting some Botox someplace. Or it took Jeff a little time <laughs> to get here uh, versus everybody else. But he made it, and there he's getting assessed, and the whole group's around. And uh, I thought one of the, you know, they process through everything, and he, they find out his heart's okay, so they cancel the, you know, chopper coming in. And, um, and he's fine, but then we go to David, and he had one of the best quotes. He was just talking about, you know, it could have been me, I'm so weak, and, I'm, and I don't want him to be hurt, but, you know, anything that helps my game along. So I thought it was. You know, he wasn't trying to be brutal or, like, sometimes, you know, when somebody gets hurt, they, like, rub it in. I think David was just aware that, yeah, if he's not around, my stock rises. And the whole part of Survivor is, you know, what can you do to make your position better and make other people's positions worse? So if somebody gets injured, you know, it's a very unfortunate thing. We hope that they're safe. Um, you know, Paul got to stick in the game, and um, David got to have a great sound bite. Yeah, I just hope that doesn't get back to Paul. <laughs> well, yeah, well, then we get back to the, um, you know, the immunity challenge, and Paul is, you know, running around like crazy. He's swimming and doing the whole challenge. They, they, I mean, they couldn't sit anybody out, but he, they definitely, he had one of the harder parts in the task, and he was, you know, running around, and he seemed pretty good in the water. There's been some bigger guys like Dan Foley and other people that have seemed you know, pretty strong in the water. So it was pretty neck and neck. David had some trouble swimming. Uh, the challenge consisted of, you know, diving down and uh, climbing a cargo net, jumping off and grabbing a key, and then using those keys to go down and, uh, you know, get these big rings or these boxes and, you know, throw the rings over the hoops. Uh, neck and neck, Chris Battle and Michelle, Paul against Will, Sunday against Michelle. And they got down to Zeke versus David, and, um, you know, I thought it was funny. I thought when Hannah was sitting out and Jeff was break talking smack about, you know, so-and-so's killing it. And she's like, Will's killing it, too, and Michelle's killing it, too. I, I really appreciate her cheerleader mentality. You know, sometimes people don't don't like that when people do that in challenges, but she, you know, was one to support the group. And, you know, even though David had some trouble against Zeke, you know, Jessica made up some time. We got pretty close with Adam. Then they're diving in the water. And then another issue, Gen X, DC, you know, dives down. and can't get her ring, so she has to go back out. Um, and then we get Lucy got, got a ring. Brett got a ring. Brett got another one. Then King got two. King got two. Brett got two. And Lucy got one. And then uh, they go to the actual ring toss. And I was a little worried for the Gen X people because it seemed tailor-made for uh, for Jay to, you know, dominate that. But Cece jumps up and knocks out. She got two ringers. And then, um, you know, Jay evened it up. And then Ken just walks in. And I think it was like three to three at one point. But Ken's like number four and number five. And they went, and I'm like, boom. You know, we're sending millennials to tribal council. Gen X is, uh, they're safe. 
And I was a little more anxious. I wanted to see if David played the idol and what would have happened. But uh, but at the end of it, I I missed it the first watch, and I only caught it on the rewatch. <laughs> when uh, Paul, you know, dives in the water after the challenge, and it's like, you know, Dr. Joe brought this old pirate back from the dead. And I thought it was just one of the best quotes and, you know, storylines for one person I've ever seen in an episode. This guy goes from being, you know, dehydrated and passed out, think that he has a heart attack, to, you know, being a key part of their challenge win and having that great quote. Um, You know, I don't know how well Paul does in this game, but, you know, he did really well that episode. And none of Gen X had to go to tribal, and they're all safe, and then we're back to Millennials camp. And uh, it's crazy. Actually, the commercial segue, you know, Mari had a great confessional that ended up being a uh, uh, look into the future. She's, like, talking about Figgy and all that. And she's like, you know, one one of these people's dreams is going to come to an end tonight. And I'm like, yeah, somebody's is. So they got to the commercial. You know, then they come back, and, you know, Zeke's position against uh, the puppy dog love of Taylor and Figgy, he's telling people he doesn't trust them, and Mari's like, do you think they're going to see a blind side coming? And I'm like, you're not seeing one coming, so maybe she won't have seen one coming either. Um, It was just... It was funny, and uh, we're, I'm trying to find the quote where um, they're still going back and forth, and Michaela, Jay's trying to get Michaela and Figgy to sit down and talk, and they're trying to figure out how to get Hannah in and Will in, and they're just running through all the all the scenarios. And Michelle, Michelle's the key people, and she's like, we got to get our alliance to you know, switch to Mari, and I need to be with people who will stick with me. You know, regardless of what your situation is, Survivor, if you're going to stay with your group or switch, you need people that are loyal to you. Um, and then Jay, working it on his angle, like he pulls Michaela and Figgy together and they're at each other's throats so they don't like each other. And I don't know if it's just a girl fight or they have some specific issues with each other. But he's like, Zeke said, Figgy, then Michaela. And Piggy's like, I want to work with you. And Michaela's all like, whatever. Like, I don't think she wanted to have any anything to do with that. Um, and that's when they go to Will, and he's Michelle's still talking about how they can twist it and who they can talk to. And she's talking to Will, and he's like, Yeah, I'm really worried though. I could see that, you know Piggy becoming like Parvati or Cochran. And he's also referring to Mario the same way. So he was on the fence. Um, he's like, it just makes me nervous and it's nerve-wracking, trying to figure out what's going to go on. Um, and they're just really scared of everything. Uh, Heading up into Tribal Council, then they get to Tribal Council. And um, it was, it's fun seeing young fans, dirty fans, go to Tribal for the first time. Uh, you know, Hannah's wide-eyed. And Adam's like, it feels like I'm in, I'm in my TV. Like, I'm right here with, um, 
right up here, right in front of Jeff Probst. And then Jeff's like, you think it's a knock on millennials that, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're quick to make changes and you break up via texting with technology. Um, and then Mari had another great quote about how, you know, playing a game and her, you know, computer monitor is easy, but out here it's real and everything, you know, she has empathy and emotions and seeing everyone's eyeballs and soul, you know, makes it a lot tougher. And I, I really appreciate that. You know, Mari ended up, you know, getting the heave ho, but I really liked, you know, as a bit of a gamer myself, not professionally and not as good as she is to, um, you know, to see how she could compartmentalize in her, in her real world, how being a gamer is, you know, relatively easy to kill somebody in a video game, like on, like on a fighting game or whatever, but for, uh, um, you know, transfer for that. And then Zeke, you know, Jeff's asking Zeke, like, he's surprised. I'm like, I'm living my dream. You know, who would have thought I would be making fire? And, you know, he's like, excuse me. And it was just, it was just, Zeke's a great storyteller and such a, you know, huge component to the season. And he's like, it brings out the best parts of me, you know, this game. It brings out my best, my best self. And I'm wanting to play better and be a better person. But on the flip side, what did Michaela say? You want to talk that part? I feel like I'm kind of rambling, but coming around. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. What was Michaela's? Yeah, her own perspective was, well, not for me, Jeff. You know, it brings out it brings out the worst in me. I, I thought that was I thought that was really interesting. And I had a good quote from Adam. I'm trying to find what I did with it. Is it next time? Is it the next time on Survivor? I don't know if I missed it. Where he was kind of outlining everything wrong that uh, the couples alliance was doing. I can't find the quote, but he he you know outlined Apparently, everything. Right, was... right before the vote, Hannah. Um, I know Michelle whispered to Hannah um, to vote for for Mari. Yep. And Hannah wants to know why, but Michelle wouldn't give her any info. And that's what caused Hannah to have a meltdown at the voting booth. And she was in there for so long. And Jeff even peeked around the corner to see, like, what was going on, you know. Is she okay in there? That was was the definite new thing. They had never shown that before. Yeah. She's like, I'll tell you after the vote. And she's like, oh, okay. Like, sure, I'll do whatever you say. I don't know. I understand you get in a certain mindset. But uh, I found that it was back right before Paul's injury where uh, Adam outlined some of the basic rules of Survivor. You don't go blazing in. You know, you don't get into a cat fight. And the last thing you ever do is a showman. And somehow, Figgy and them all did that stuff. You know, we're blatantly, you know, Taylor's like, these people should be concerned. And I'm like, what? Why are you saying that? I should have taken it as a clue that they felt safe and they had twist, they had switched the vote. Like, how cocky can you be just to be like, yeah, they should be concerned about it. Like, okay. And she was like, yeah, we should be. She called it the cuddle shack, and, you know, they're laughing about it. And 
you know, and I like Hannah. She's like, they're all confused, and, you know, we've all been cuddling. And I'm like, really, Hannah, is somebody making out with you too? Because I didn't see that theme. Um, but Michelle's even cutting her buddy under. She's like, yeah, if I was Figgy, I'd be scared. And Figgy's like, I'm in the middle of a couple things. So it was just nuts, these millennials going to this tribal council. And um, it's interesting from what I know, and I don't want to talk about spoilers, but for who makes it to season 34 from this group, it's interesting who is on which side of this particular boat, how they still, you know, made it to where they made it. So I just think that it's just fascinating how the show works. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Well, we don't really want to talk. Do you know who's on 34? So we won't really talk about that necessarily, but just from the vote, I don't think I have, I'll have to, I I don't know if I have that list or not. I may have it. Yeah. But the speculated list of who's involved, it's just interesting, you know, where people fall on, you know, what's going down. Yeah, so we get a seven to three vote. Mari Mari goes home and she's uh she's like, I'm salty. So it's just like, okay. You know. Game over for Mari that you know. And they go to the you know, and then Jeff sends them away. And then they go to the next time on Survivor and Zeke and Adam feel betrayed and blindsided. <laughs> but then there's already talk of a possible swap, and Will's like, I'm ready for a random draw. I want to be part of Generation X and see what they're all about. Um, so I'm like, what? Anything could happen, and their tribes are even 9-9. Nine, nine. Um, I'm thinking, is it, I think they could even go to three tribes of six since there's 18 people left. There's all kinds of time left in the game. That would really make the dynamics even more interesting. What do you What do you think's next for our, for the show? I have no idea. Okay. Uh, well, the two options would be just a straight up swap. Would there be two tribes of nine? Um, my heart's telling me that's probably what'll happen. That way, the odds are still, or the numbers are still. Odd, so there wouldn't be a tie, but I can also see something the producers might want to, you know, really mix it up and have three tribes of six um, and have, you know, some Gen-, Gen X, some Millennials, maybe try to split up Paul's Posse, Ken's crew, and the, the sh- sh- you know, showman shack. So, <laughs> curious what they're going to do and. You know, if it's an optional thing, who who wants to get involved? You know, somebody like Jessica could be totally out of it and want to do something, or Lucy. And somebody quoted online that it's been two whole episodes, and we haven't heard any word out of Lucy. That's true. Well, we got about uh, four minutes she... left. Um, okay. I hope. I hope that David and Ken don't get split up because I like their their bond that they have right now. So I hope whatever happens, they don't get split up. Um, yeah. But we'll see. It should be interesting if they do if they do something to mix them up. I'm, I'm curious myself what happens next. 
and we'll see soon. Absolutely. I want to remind everybody, too, that next week, because Michael has a previous engagement, we're going to do the show a little bit later in the evening next week. The show will start at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central next week, um, just next week only. So we're just going to move the show just a few hours later next week. So we'll see you at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central next week for Mike on the Mic. And I want to remind everybody to join us for Mondays this Monday with Michelle Costa at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. She's going to have Big Meech from Big Brother 18 on Manic Mondays. So make sure you're here for that. Yes, it's going to be a great show. We're going to close tonight with Ron as we always do. Michael, I certainly hope you feel better. Take care of yourself. Get some rest. Thank you so much for doing this tonight. I know you're not feeling well. Hope you feel much better. And uh, can't wait to talk to you next week. We'll do it all again. All right. We're going to close it out with Ron. Everyone, take care. Thanks for being here with us tonight, those in the chat room and those listening to podcasts as well. Here's Ron to take us out for the night. I want to finish off the show with a little music and say to all of my listeners, thank you guys and thank you all for coming in. bless you and thank you for listening to the show and it was a great one it's always a great one with big mike take care again have a great night and a great week and a great weekend say good night mike good night mike the mic's been dropped (laughs) there you go good night everybody god bless have a great weekend that's the wrap for us tonight